things that's critical to a positive turning point in life is recognizing that you need to deal with your desires. Today, we'll be looking at four things that'll help you find and experience your best life. This message is the fourth in the series, Turning Point. The message is entitled, Deal With Your Desires. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. We're continuing our series, as I said today, called Turning Point. I want to talk to you about dealing with desires in your life. We're taking a look at the whole idea. What does it mean to turn your life in 2013 in a new direction? How do you begin to make choices that will put you on the right road for your destiny? See, the pathway that you're on right now is leading you somewhere. Every path in life, every road takes you somewhere. And the problem for most of us is we never stop and think about what, where is this road leading me? Where am I going? And so as a part of this series, I'm trying to ask you, encourage you to stop for a bit and take a look at your life and say, hey, what road am I on and where is this road going to take me? What is the destiny of my life going to be if my life stays just as it is right now? And I hope that as a part of this series, you'll make a decision as I'm making in my life for some turning points. God has been working in my life in some very significant ways since we actually have come into the new year in our 10 days of fast forward prayer. As a part of that whole beginning of a new year, God placed some things on my heart. In fact, there were 52 things that I felt that God placed on my heart. And what I decided to do is to list those 52 things for every week of the year. I'm focusing on one of those things that God has placed on my heart where there's some turns that need to happen in my life. And so I hope the same kind of thing is happening for you. To turn your life in a better direction for a better destiny, you have to be willing to take a look at, think about something called desire. What's on the inside your desires. Now, the message I'm going to share with you this weekend, dealing with desires, is really a focal point that I've never actually preached on that I recall any time in my life. I've never really focused in on the one topic of desire before. I've touched on it in a variety of different ways. But I want us to, with with laser beam focus today, think about the desires of your life and my life and how those desires impact where we end up and how God wants to deal with those desires so that He can allow you to find your destiny in Him. There are four things I'd like to share with you for the next few moments. The first thing that we understand about our desires according to scripture and just by actually observing life is that your desires will determine two things your desires determine your life decisions and your life direction your desires inside of you determine some things for you the decisions you make and the direction you take Desire plays a really big role in your life but it's kind of this sort of under the surface under the cover down inside of your life that kind of quietly moves you in certain ways that sometimes you don't even realize. Sometimes we think of desires as motives or desire is what you want from life, what you are pursuing as a priority. And your highest and strongest desires will always control you. Even if you don't recognize they're controlling you, they will. And desire is not reflected by what you say. Desire is reflected by what you do. Most of us have said before, I want to fill in the blank. I want to get in shape. I want to lose weight. I want to have a better marriage. I want to do a better job at work. And then we, we, we verbalize what we want to do with our mouth. But have you noticed sometimes your body doesn't follow what your mouth said? And even though you said, I want to, you really didn't want to. Because when it came time to actually get up and go to the gym, you, you decided that you really wanted to sit on the sofa and watch television. And so 
which is true? Your want to get in shape or your want to watch television? Well, which was true was what you did. See, your want to is not reflected by your words. Your want to is reflected by what you actually do, the actions of your life. And so what you're doing today, how you're living your life reflects what you're really wanting, what your desires really are. And that's why it's important to realize this because you and I can fool ourselves into thinking we want things that we really don't want because our actions are not lining up with what we say that we want. Now, there are many stories in the Bible that illustrate this. I'm going to take you to one that, that, that reflects us on the life and ministry of Jesus. It's in Matthew chapter 19. I told you Matthew 5 a few moments ago. and That's our theme verse today. But listen as I share with you a story from Matthew chapter 19. I'll begin in verse number 16. Then we'll talk about this story. Now, a man came up to Jesus. So you got the story. Jesus is in his earthly ministry. This man, in fact, some places in the New Testament describe him as a young man. He comes up to Jesus and he asks a question. Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? And so he's inquiring of Jesus about how to have salvation, how to live forever in relationship with God. Jesus replies here, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good if you, what's the next word there? Come on, say it with me. What's the word? Want. If you desire, if you want, if your real desires are to enter eternal life or to enter life, obey the commandments. If you really want this thing called eternal life, let's check out how you're living. Let's check out what your life looks like. Are you obeying the commandments? And the man responds, which ones? Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. Now notice this response. All these I have kept, what do I still lack? And so he said, I kept all these things, Jesus, but what am I lacking in my life? I told you I want to make sure that I have eternal life. Now I've done those things. Is there anything else? Jesus answered, if you, what's the next word again? Want. Say it with me. Come on. If you want. So what is Jesus talking to him about? His desires. If you really want to be perfect, that word also means mature or have all that God wants you to have in your life. If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Now the rubber is really hitting the road, isn't it? Jesus said, do you really want this thing called eternal life? You ask me what else you're lacking. Let me tell you what you're really lacking. If you want this, if you really, 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 really want it, here's what you need to do. You need to go sell your possessions, give them to the poor, and come follow me. Now, why was Jesus telling him to do something like this? Of course, Jesus doesn't tell everybody to go sell all their possessions and give it away, but there was a particular need in this man's life. Jesus knew something. Jesus knew that the conflict, the battle between desires. He knew that this young man was battling with a desire for God and and, and a desire for the things of the world, materialism. And Jesus identified the battle of his wants, the battle of his desires. And notice what happens when the young man heard this. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Now I would ask you today, what did the young man really want? Did he want eternal life or did he want wealth? He wanted wealth. Why? Because his behavior showed us exactly what he wanted. And in your life and my life, we will always know what we really want, not by what we say, but by what we do. How you and I are living our life, it will reflect what we will be reflected in our decisions and will be reflected in our direction, our life direction. Number two, 
Your desires need to be evaluated. I think you would agree with me that if our desires are determining our life decisions and direction, then it would be worthwhile to stop every now and then and ask ourselves what are our real desires, right? Because your desires, again, are determining your destiny. They determine what pathway you're going to be on in your life. And so it's valuable to stop and to evaluate. Because if you don't evaluate your desires, if you don't take a look at what you really want your life to be, I will assure you what will happen. You will end up spending your life on lesser things than you could have spent your life on. You will spend your life sometimes uh, investing in things that are actually wrong and destructive for you. You will end up actually wasting your life. Now, I don't want to waste my life. And there are a lot of Christians, sadly, even people that know Jesus Christ, they're going to spend eternity in heaven, but when they get into heaven, they're going to have nothing to show for their life at all because they've wasted their life. They're saved by the blood of the Lamb. They sort of make it across the finish line and get into heaven and say, I made it. But there'll be nothing of reward for their life because they haven't done anything for the kingdom of God. They have wasted their life on lesser things or sometimes even on things that are not good for them or good for others. See, this rich young ruler, this rich young man, wasted his life. He moved off the pages of Scripture and you never hear from him again. Now, would you just wonder, like me, as I do from time to time, as I read some of these Scripture passages and stories, I wonder if he ever regretted that decision. I'm sure there's one day, perhaps when he's about to die, he regrets the fact, I wish, oh, if only 10 years, 20 years, 30 years ago, if only I had taken Jesus up on the offer he gave to me that day and I've lived my whole life now and I regret that I've lived it in this way. I lived it for my wants instead of for God's wants. There are lots of stories in the Bible. The one I just shared with you describes this this scenario. Let me take you to two others very quickly. The first one that most of us are are very familiar with takes us back to the book of Genesis, the story of Adam and Eve. I want to talk to you about their desires because it was their desires that got them into trouble. God put Adam and Eve in the garden, this perfect garden, gave them everything they had need of, perfect opportunity, and said to them one basic thing. There's one requirement in this garden. I'm going to ask you to avoid doing one thing. See that tree over there? The knowledge of good and e- tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Just don't eat from that tree. That's all I'm asking you. Now, why did God even put temptation like that in the Garden of Eden? Why was it there? Because God wanted Adam and Eve to choose obedience to Him. It need, wasn't to be forced. They need to always have a choice because I'll talk about it in a moment. God has made us free will creations. And so he put this tree and he says, I, I want to see, I want every day when you walk by that tree, I want you to make a choice to want me more than that fruit. I want you to want, desire me more than what looks desirable on that tree. And you're going to see the fruit, it's going to be lovely fruit, but it's a test, it's an opportunity every day for you to communicate to me that you want me more than you want anything else course you know the story how the serpent Satan comes into the garden and begins to work on Eve and Adam as well and twist things around and make them very attractive to retracted to the tree and I want you to notice with me Genesis chapter 3 verse number 6 what happens here after Satan has worked his deception upon Eve notice what transpires the woman was convinced she saw that the tree was beautiful and it looked and the fruit its fruit looked delicious and she what's the next word what does she want 
She wanted the wisdom it would give her. See, Satan had convinced her that's what you really need for your life. You really want that more than you want God. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. Notice the progression here. She saw, she wanted, she took, and she gave. She saw, she wanted, she took, she gave. There's this progression that occurs, but right in the center of this progression is this desire issue, this want issue. Let me tell you another story. In the book of Genesis as well, it's a story of, uh, uh, of the sons of, East, of Isaac. Now, Isaac was Abraham's son. He was born of promise. He married a young lady by the name of Rebekah, and Rebekah and Isaac had, had twin boys, Esau and Jacob. Esau was the firstborn, and as being the firstborn of the twins, the first one that came out from his mother's womb, he was given the privilege of the birthright. And all through the scripture, you see that the firstborn was given birthright privileges, blessings that came to the firstborn. Why? Because parents always have to practice on the firstborn. They need extra blessing, amen? I'm not sure that's exactly the reason, but it makes sense, doesn't it? So here's the firstborn. God says, man, you're going to get, they're going to practice on you, okay? So I'm going to give you a little extra blessing along the way. And so here's the firstborn, Esau. And so he was a man as he grew up, a young man who loved the outdoors. He loved to go hunting and fishing. I mean, he was the bass pro shop kind of guy. I mean, he was just out in the woods all the time. He loved it. It was what his life was all about. He just had a great time out hunting and, and, and just enjoying the outdoors. And Jacob was, was a different guy. Jacob was a young man that loved to hang out in the house. I mean, he was aspiring to be the next Food Network star, okay? He loved to cook. He, loved, he was a chef. He loved to prepare things. That was his personality, his orientation. So there's this day when Esau comes in from the fields, and he's been out there just having a great time, but he's really, really hungry. He wants something to eat. And Jacob's been in the kitchen practicing different recipes. And man, he's come up with some amazing soup. And the soup smells incredible. And so Esau walks through the door and he smells this soup. And man, he's thinking, this is amazing. i got to have some. And Jacob, his name, by the way, means surplanter or deceiver. Jacob says, oh, here's my opportunity. He wants something I have. And I want something he has. What is it all about? Want. Desire. I have something he wants. He has something I want. We're going to work on the desire thing here. And so Jacob said, hey, Esau, man, do I have a deal for you. All I'm asking, see this beautiful, I know you're hungry. Here, smell it. And all I'm asking is one thing, just Give me your birthright and I'll give you all the soup you want. Man, you can eat till your heart's content. Just, it, it, I, you know, it's, it's amazing. I've already tasted it. It's incredible. Now, here's a moment for Esau. He's got to choose what he really wants. He's got to choose what he really desires. And there in that moment, you know the story. Esau said, I want the soup. You can have my birthright. He traded something that was very valuable for his future to satisfy him for his immediate present. And there are many, many people in life that will sacrifice something for their future to satisfy something in the immediate now, the present. And we are warned about this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 16. 
make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau who traded his birthright as the firstborn. Why? Because he wanted a single meal. He traded it for a single meal. Folks, if we're going to avoid making bad decisions like this and going in wrong directions like we see for these three, the rich young ruler, Adam and Eve, and, and, and Esau, we have to be willing to evaluate our desires. I'm going to give you a continuum. You'll see it on your notes there. Every decision you will ever make in life will fall on this continuum, all right? I'm going to give you the words to fill in there and we'll talk about them. Every decision in your life will either be bad, good, better, or best. Say it with me. Bad, good, better, or best. From this point forward, as you go throughout your life, I want you to think about your decisions. Because every decision you make fits somewhere on this continuum. Some decisions are just bad because God says it's wrong, it's unwise, it's foolish for you and I to do certain things. God says, bad, not good for you, don't do that. Some decisions are not necessarily horribly bad, but they fit somewhere between bad and good. Anybody ever made a decision like that, kind of half bad, half good? Okay. I'm not talking about moral issues here. I'm just talking about decisions. See, moral issues, God, right and wrong, black and white. This is what it is, this is what it's not. This is right, this is wrong. But there are other decisions in life that require some discretion, some wisdom along the way. And we fit somewhere between, hey, that wasn't so wise, and up to the category, that was a pretty good decision. And there are times in life we might make a good decision, but we actually could have made a better decision than we did. If we'd taken more time and thought about it, sought the right advice and counsel along the way, we could have actually made a better decision than just a good decision. And there are times in life, actually, we even get to a better decision. But if we just waited a little bit longer, asked a few more people, sought God a little bit more, our decision could have been on the continuum toward best. And so every decision you make in life fits the category bad, good, better, or best. All of our decisions. And there are many people that are just making decisions in their life because of the desires that are in them that are bad or just semi-good or really okay, but they're not the best for their life. And what you and I want to do, we want to turn our life in the direction where we are making decisions that are always the best for our life and the best for our future and the best for our families and the best for the kingdom of God. Amen? I don't want just the good stuff. I don't want even just the better stuff. I want the best stuff for my life. What do you really want? Have you stopped to ask yourself the question about your desires? What are they doing to you? What decisions are they driving you to? Let's go to our third point together. Right desires can be developed. Right desires can be developed. Now, I want you to listen very closely here because I'm going to give you an important theological principle here as well as a practical principle. It's something that I feel very deeply about and something I think is very clearly outlined in God's Word. It's very important to our relationship with God. And that's the fact that when God created you and me, one of the greatest gifts that He gave us is the gift of a free will. I believe that's one of the most amazing, incredible things that God ever did for humanity he said, I'm going to create you as your creator and make you, but I'm not going to force you to do anything. I love you so much, and I believe that real love always gives liberty, right? Real love is not binding, real love is freeing. 
So God says, I love you, I created you, and I love you so much, I'm never going to make you a puppet. I'm not going to pull your life around and determine everything that you do. I'm going to, I'll be there to help you and to guide you and providentially work in your life, but I will never rob from you the essence of your free will. You get to choose. Now, you go through Scripture, you see times and time, time and time again, God calling us to make certain choices with our life. And God says, you have a free will. I'm not going to force you to love me. I'm going to give you the choice as to what you will do in your relationship with me, what will you, you will do in relationship to how you live your life, and how you relate to other people. This is an amazing, incredible gift that Almighty God gave us. But he also said, and by the way, with this incredible gift called a free will, when you make choices, understand something, they come with consequences. Right? There's no choice you and I can make that does not follow up with some kind of consequence in our life. Again, bad, good, better, best. Some kind of consequence. But he also reminds us that when we make choices that are bad or not so good or could have been better or could have been best for our lives, the good news is that God allows us as we go through life to grow and to learn and to change our desires and to change for the better. Aren't you glad that you're not stuck in some of the bad stuff you used to have in your life, some of the bad stuff you used to be, some of the bad ways you used to think, maybe some of the bad ways you might feel like you are right now. The good news is you're not stuck. God says you can choose to be different. By the way, that should have been a hallelujah, glory to God. A few of you should have been jump up and down and said, thank you, Jesus, okay? You're not stuck. You're not stuck in who you are right now. You have a free will. You can choose now that your life will be different. There's a valley of decision for you in this moment. You can say, I can choose. I, I, I'm going to make some choices about my life that will be different. And you can change your choices. Your choices are changeable and your desires are changeable. You can have a greater desire for God than you've ever had before. They're changeable. Now, I'm going to show you how changeable your desires are. It happens to you quite frequently. The world understands that our desires are changeable. Let me prove it to you. When you see an advertisement, you know what advertisers are trying to do? They're trying to change your desires. They're going after your wants. They're telling you, you really want this. And we watch the advertisement and before long we say, yeah, I really want that. I really, I really want that. And at some point in time, you actually part with your hard-earned money to get something an advertiser told you that you wanted. And many times you'll look back later and say, why did I buy that? Well, you bought it because they appealed to something. They appealed to your desires. They appealed to your wants. They changed temporarily what you wanted for your life. Sometimes changed permanently what you wanted for your life. And so advertisers understand it. God created you with this capacity. And God wants to change your desires and my desires. Now notice what Jesus said about this. Matthew chapter 5 verse 6. This is our theme verse for this weekend. Blessed, read it with me, in fact, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Read it again. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, Jesus said, let me talk to you for a minute about your desires. Would you agree that hunger and thirst are desires, right? 
That's all it is. A hunger is a desire, thirst is a desire. And Jesus said, I want, to, I want you to understand something about your desires. I want you to change them. Instead of hungering and thirsting for what is bad or what the world offers, I want you to hunger and thirst for righteousness so I can fill you up. Jesus would never have told us, listen, he would have never told us to hunger and thirst for righteousness if our desires were unchangeable, if we could not actually fulfill that particular commandment. So he appeals to us and says, I want you to change what you're hungry for. I want you to change what you're thirsty for. I want you to change your desires. So how? How do we do this? Let me quickly share with you four ways to change your desires. How are your desires uh, pliable or made pliable and changeable? Number one, you need to face the truth about your desires. That's the first point. Where are you today? What are you wanting in your life? Be honest about it. And by the way, you and I can't know this ourselves without the help of God. That's why the psalmist said in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See, notice this, God, see, point out in me. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It's a prayer that you and I ought to pray regularly. Lord, show me what desires are controlling my life. I don't even see them myself, but I'm asking you to show me. The second thing you have to do to change your desires is to fast the junk food and feed on the good food. I'll tell you how you change your desires. Stop eating the wrong things. All of you with little kids understand this. They come in. It's about dinner time. Dinner's being prepared. It's not quite ready yet. And so they go grabbing the potato chips and the cookies and all those kind of things. And your response says, no, no, stop. You're going to ruin your dinner. Ruin your appetite. Why? Because they fill up on the junk stuff, right? And then they don't want the good stuff. Well, many times we as Christians, the reason we don't have a desire for God is we're filling our life with all kind of worldly stuff. I mean, we're, we're engaged in worldly activities, watching worldly stuff, engaging in worldly conversations. We're filling up on the world. It's the junk food of the world. We wonder, why am I not hungry for God? Start fasting that stuff, amen? Just put that stuff out of your life. So I'm not going to eat that. And I'll tell you what will happen when you fast the junk food. You'll start having an appetite for some good food in your life. 1 Peter 2, 1 and 2. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave, have a desire for pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Number three, focus on what really matters. Some things in life really don't matter. Amen? At the end of the day, there are things that just don't matter, and other things matter a whole lot. I'm going to give you some questions here to ask yourself. In fact, let me ask you to read them right now with me, because these are, if you will, uh, convicting questions, probing questions to help us to think about where we are in terms of our focus. Number one, what kind, read with me, what kind of person do I really want to be? Stop and ask yourself that question. What kind of person do I really want to be? Am I really the person that I really say I want to be? Number two, together. What kind of husband, wife, parent do I really want to be? Stop if you're a husband and say, what kind of husband do I really want to be? You know, I, I say I want to be a certain kind of husband, but as my life demonstrates, wives, ask, ask yourself the question, what kind of wife do I really want to be? Parents, ask yourself, what kind of parent do you really want to be? Stop and, and really dig into the desires of your life and determine, are, you, are your desires the desires that really matter? Do you have the right desires there or do they need to be changed? The next one, number three, 
What do I, read with me, what do I really want to do for God? That in my life and your life, what do you want to do for God? That when everything's said and done with your life, what will you hope that you've accomplished for Him and for His kingdom? What do you want? What do you desire? What's a craving on the inside to do for God? Next one together. What legacy do I really want to leave my children and grandchildren? That is, as my life passes on and I'm gone from this life to the next life, what do I want my kids to remember about me? What do I want my grandchildren to remember about me? What kind of stories do I want them to tell my great-grandchildren about their great-grandfather, their great-grandmother? What do I want the, the story of my life to be? What will I leave behind? What do I want them to know about me when I'm gone? What's the legacy? You say, Pastor, I'm only only 22 I'm going to tell you something and all of the older folks here and you can determine what that means okay but all the older folks will tell you life goes by very fast amen very fast it seems like yesterday when I was 22 and life just speeds along and before long you're at a place in life how did I get here life passes along quickly and so you ask yourself these questions early on in your life next one Read with me. When I am about to take my last breath, what will really matter? I want to propose a scenario for you today. Let's say that you had 15 minutes to live. You got 15 minutes left. And in these 15 minutes, you have the opportunity to do a quick survey of your life and to say, okay, what really mattered? In those 15 minutes, are you going to be thinking about your bank account? No. Are you going to be thinking about the car you drive or the house you live in or the clothes you wear or anything else that's material? No, in those 15 minutes, you will not be thinking about any of those things. Those things will not matter. They will not matter at all in those last 15 minutes of your consciousness before you leave this world and go to the next world. They will not matter at all. I'll tell you what will matter. You'll start thinking, I sure hope I'm right with God. And I wonder how I am with my family. Is everything in order with my family? Have I, have I left them knowing that I love them? Have I left them knowing that everything's okay? And you'll begin to ask questions about your relationships, your relationship with God, your relationships with other people. That's what's going to matter when you come to those last 5, 10, 15 minutes of life. That kind of stuff is what matters. It's what we ought to be living our life for right now. Here's the next one. Read it with me. When I stand, read together. When I stand before God. God in eternity what do I want that moment to be like now folks I'm going to tell you today that you will every person here and I'm telling you as your pastor so you'll remember this this is what the Bible teaches that every person will stand before God you have an appointment with God face to face one day so, well, Pastor, how in the world could that happen? There are trillions of people that have lived throughout all time. How is God going to be able to have an individual appointment with them? How is He going to have the time to talk to everybody? Well, first of all, time is not the same thing with God as it is with us. And second of all, He has eternity. That's plenty of time. And I want you to hear me tell you today, because sometimes people don't understand this, you do have an appointment with God, and when you get there, I want you to remember, He told me, He told me this was going to happen, 
And I want to ask you, when you're standing face to face with God, God is not, not going to ask you how your husband was, how your wife was, how your kids were, how your neighbors were. He's not going to ask you any question about anybody else. Nobody else is going to be on the table, if you will, in terms of questions at that moment. It's going to all be about how you related to God. What do you want that moment to be like? Do you want that moment to be God saying to you, you know, you made it in, but man, it was, a, it was just by the skin of your teeth. And you brought nothing of good work in with you. Or do you want to hear him say, well done. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Let me submit something to you today. If there is the well done, good and faithful servant, it also means there will be people that will not hear the well done, good and faithful servant. So you and I must live our life now by these choices, by these focus points. Notice 2 Corinthians 4.18. Read it with me. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is seen is eternal. Unseen is eternal. The next one, number four. Commit to fellowship and friends that help you hunger for the right things. Commit to the fellowship and friends that will help you to hunger for the right things. I am so grateful as I look back over my life to the people that God has allowed me to rub shoulders with and have as friends and connection points in my life because... I've had the opportunity of being around some really great people who love Jesus. And I found out this. When you hang around with people who love Jesus, you start loving Jesus more. Because their, their desire for God rubs off on you. And when they start sharing what God has showed them in their, their Bibles, it makes you want to go open up your Bible and read and discover things that God wants to say to you. When you discover people who found answers in prayer and prayed through things, it makes you want to go back and get on your knees and start praying and seeking God for your own life. See, when you hang around people who love God, it increases your appetite for God. And so make some choices in your life. Get the bad people out. I'm not saying you don't love bad people. Bad people, you can categorize that whatever way you want to. People who don't know the Lord, serving God, living their life the way they want to live. They don't need to be your closest friends. You love them and reach out to them in the grace of God and try to help them find the Lord. But they shouldn't be the people who, do, who dictate your, your closest connections in life. And so you make choices, good, bad, better, best. And you make the choices to be with people who have an appetite for God. Let me move to my last point very quickly. And we'll cover this rapidly as we get ready to move toward our communion time. The last one, right desires bring great blessings. Very, very quickly here. Jesus said, blessed blessed are those who do what hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled Jesus said do you want to be blessed if you want to be blessed you have to get your desires heading in the right direction and he says if you'll hunger and thirst for righteousness for what is right what is not just good or better but what is best he says, your life will have rich blessings. Let me share with you quickly as we wrap up how right desires bring blessing to your life. First of all, they help you to inspire, be inspired to invest in the kingdom of God. That when your desires are in the right place, you want to pour yourself into the kingdom. You want to be a contributor, not just a consumer. They increase your discipline to live right. When you have the right desire, 
With desire comes discipline. Sometimes we say we try to fix our discipline, but the issue is not discipline, it's desire. If your desires are where they need to be, your discipline will be there. Number three, they ignite determination to overcome evil. When your desires are right, you'll want to overcome those things that are holding you back. And they will ensure that one day, when you stand before God, you will be greatly rewarded if your desires are right. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Let's pray together. Father, thank you today. For the challenge of your word to us to change our desires, our wants. And I pray for every person here. I'm asking that beginning this day in a whole new and fresh way. That you would help us even now to hunger and thirst for righteousness. So that we can be filled up with you and your presence and power. That one day when we stand before you we'll hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Seal this word in our heart I pray in Jesus name. Well, perhaps as you've been watching today's broadcast, something's been happening inside of you. Maybe you felt a stirring in your heart, something that's reminded you that you need to get some things right in your life with God. The first way we start in that journey with God is to open our hearts to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of our life, to turn all of our life over to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now. It's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Would you bow your head with me and pray this prayer? Say these words, say, Jesus, just acknowledge that He is Lord. Say, Jesus... I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all of my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me just then, I want to encourage you with the promise of God's Word that says when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there's salvation that's brought to our lives. He changes us on the inside, from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you, you need to take some next steps. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word, to make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it, to spend some time each day in prayer. We have some resources available for you through our website. We'd love to provide those for you. Just let us know that you need those and we'll make sure that we get them into your hands. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.